minding my own business, watching some film, trying to get ready, trying to get out here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that they said about us. Talk to us. Once again, uh, talk to us. why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts up, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they unmasked around and made it what? It was just going to be a good game. They unmasked around and made it personal. It was going to be a great test, a battle of Colorado, but they unmasked around and made it personal. I bought the plane ticket, say my life ain't litty. Say my life ain't litty. Two-story high ceiling, two-door blue Bentley. Zero bonds said the women gonna be deep tonight. I probably spent 150 Jesus light. Chain walking on water like Jesus Christ. Should I do the Gators night so I beat the stripes? It's been a good day, but tonight we going bad. Whole squad calls a terror shot the Joey crack. This a different lifestyle, how long can you last? She wanna come with me, it depend on how she act. Different, we don't bank at the same bank. Shorty knows she good, but she with me is a safe place. For real, I can only send a load, you won't tell. I can alley you your whole career, cause I'm known well. When she lands, she let the whole city know. They hit the room and send me a twerk video. She be all on a gritty flow, met her headed to Coachella and Indio. Other one had a BNB, she 50 though. In my business, they wanna stick their nose. Think I'm wildin' like Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo, I'm a gentleman. Open the car door, holding hands. They both hit my line, I might crush them like soda cans. Oh shit! It is New Music Fridays, and this has become personal. That's right, it has become personal. And I'm not I'm not gonna really bring up the Dion situation because Dion Sanders has been getting hated on left and right. Even by some of his own people. I'm like, damn. Listen, man. I've idolized Dion since I was two or three years old, people. I'll never turn my back on Dion, bro. Dion could completely sell the fuck out. And I'm going to continuously make excuses for that nigga. But other than that, bro. It really has gotten personal out here, man. But we got an update on the Kevin Porter Jr. situation. Let's talk about it. Rockets are working to trade Kevin Porter Jr. along with draft compensation in wake of charges of felony assault and strangulation due to alleged attack on girlfriend per sources. Is it alleged though? I mean, with the extensive uh, story about this with extra details, I don't think it's alleged no more, man, especially with Kevin Porter Jr.'s past history. And Kevin Porter Jr. is nearing the end of his tenure, most likely with the Houston Rockets and possibly in the NBA. 
I mean, yeah, man. When you got an abuse case like this, and he's battering a former WNBA player who's a free agent right now. I'm telling you, man. I told y'all last show, these WNBA girls do not like men already. They already hate men. It's facts. A lot of y'all don't want to admit to that shit, but it's the truth. So, so um, I finally got the pronunciation of this lady's name right. It's Kaiser Gondesrick. I finally got it, y'all. I apologize for mispronouncing the name. I got corrected in my TikTok comments, and I respect that. So, Gondrezik urges the public to avoid speculation. Attorney says statements attributed to her are misleading. What does that mean? Misleading and inaccurate? She says she urged the public and the press to avoid speculation. She asked for her privacy to be respected as the matter was looked into more deeply. Let's see. The former athlete was reported to be in a fragile state with details of her injuries making rounds in the media circuits. Well, we already know about her sister coming through and destroying him. You know, I heard a rumor. It's a rumor. It hasn't been confirmed, but it's a rumor that she might not cooperate. That's what I keep hearing. And if she doesn't cooperate, bro, like those are the traits of someone that has been abused. That is trying to protect her attacker. In a lot of those situations, they take their abuser back, yo. I seriously hope that she doesn't take Kevin Porter Jr. back because those situations do not end well. But that's my update on Kevin Porter Jr. All right, we got Los Angeles Lakers forward. Jared Vanderbilt has agreed on a four-year, $48 million contract with the franchise Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul and agent Erica Ruiz told The Athletic. Deal is fully guaranteed with a player option in the fourth year. I mean, yeah, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt was... It was big in a lot of big moments, man. Like, he can defend five positions, pause. Um, And he is one of the few people in this league that play defense. So, congratulations to Jared Vanderbilt, man. He he's he got the contract he kind of he definitely deserves, man, for sure. 
Um, Offset has announced a new album. That's very interesting. Because, you know, he uh, showed off his new album cover. And the name of the album is called Set It Off. And it is set to drop on October the 13th. Offset is a member of the Migos, for those that don't know, and is married to Cardi B. And his first album, Father of Four, um, was released a few years back, and it was okay. Just okay. Hopefully his second offering is better than his first one because, you know... Quavo dropped Rocket Power earlier this year. Now it's Offset's turn. So let's see what he's got. Someone else that's slated to drop next week is Doja Cat. So Doja Cat is dropping alongside Drake, which we'll get to in a moment. Interesting. I mean, Doja Cat's new album has been highly anticipated. I mean, she released crazy visuals. And she also released a track list to her uh, up and coming album, Scarlet. And she confirmed that she doesn't have any features on the album. And, you know, Doja Cat said that she was going to predominantly rap this album. And from what I heard, I mean, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I like what I've heard so far. I mean, I like Demons. Um, It was another track. I think it was called Attention. I think that's the name of it. I think I heard that and I was impressed. I mean, she always could spit, but she wanted to showcase her other talents. You know, she's a strange chick. I do admit that. But her music is always, you know, she's never really missed. As far as like a full length project to me. I'm not a fan of her extracurricular activities with the uh, supremacist of the world. But the music speaks for itself. I usually separate the artist from the music. Long as she's not, you know... Doing that bullshit, that extra bullshit in her music, that's all I care about. A lot of people might not like that, but guess what? I do not give a fuck. So Jermaine O'Neal is pissed off with the uh, Indiana Pacers. As you know, he saw a picture of Buddy Hill wearing the number seven, which is what he donned during his prime throughout Indiana. And he doesn't like how the Indiana Pacers organization treats the athletes. I'm pretty sure I think Reggie Miller's uh, jersey is retired. But the other guys that have played for Indiana, like Jermaine O'Neal, who was a multi-year all-star, a guy like Ron Artest, jerseys have not been retired by the Indiana organization. I don't think any of either of the Davis boys uh, jerseys have been retired by the Indiana Pacers. I'll give you an example. 
like Chauncey Billups has had his jersey retired by the Detroit Pistons. Um, Richard Hamilton has. Ben Wallace has. Rasheed Wallace. You know, all of these guys have had ceremonies in Detroit. You know, Detroit Pistons honors their athletes. And Jermaine O'Neal feels a type of way that his jersey has not been retired. My thoughts on this is Jermaine O'Neal is correct. Indiana Pacers don't have that many jerseys retired to begin with. I mean, that's all the more reason to retire Jermaine's jersey. Like, this dude has led y'all through multiple playoff battles, especially when he was on and... He definitely deserves some respect by that franchise. I mean, they're acting like the Denver Nuggets right now. Like, they probably refuse to retire Carmelo Anthony's jersey, bro. Or to even honor him for what he did. Because Jermaine O'Neal was competitive. He could play both sides of the ball. He was... Great from the mid-range. Great in the post. Shot well from the free throw line. I mean, you know, injury slowed down Jermaine O'Neal. As with every talented athlete. But um, shout out to Jermaine O'Neal for making this public, man. Put some respect on that man's name. Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is not expected to sign an extension with the New Orleans Pelicans this summer. Multiple sources tell the Times Pekayan. That's the New Orleans uh, paper. Oh, man. Whoo, Lord. My uh, pronunciation has fell off. But uh, multiple sources say that Ingram will wait until next summer before engaging in extension talks with the franchise that acquired him in the Anthony Davis trade four years ago. Take your time, young man, mama used to say. I mean, man, he ain't in no rush. I mean, there could be a team out there that he might fit better with because New Orleans has underachieved the entire time that Brandon Ingram has been there. You know, Ingram has dealt with his share of injuries as well. I'm pretty sure that New Orleans is desperate to keep their core together to try to build towards contention. But, man. I'm 50-50 if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans. I would try to see, like, who's hitting the market the year that he's hitting the market. Because, you know, two solid pieces these days are better than having a star player slash superstar. But I like Ingram. I would love for him to stay in New Orleans, though, my personal opinion. Eight-time NBA All-Star Dwight Howard will meet with the Golden State Warriors next week, sources tell um, The Athletic. The team has been exploring signing a reserve veteran big man, and now the 2020 Lakers Championship Center will visit with the Warriors officials soon. Man, you guys got to get this done ASAP. 
because last year the Golden State Warriors couldn't hang with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers plethora of big men because they had about four or five guys that was just, you know, pause taking advantage of the Warriors in the middle. Pause that. Double pause. But the Warriors... I mean, they should have been done this. I mean, what are you waiting for? What is niggas waiting for? I mean, they've been eating a center for quite a while. I mean, they signed Dario Saric, but he's a power forward. Then the Warriors also signed Poop Shiesty, a.k.a. Usman Garuba. If you know, you know. All you got to do is look up Usman Garuba and you'll find out. You know, he's into some Poop Shiesty shit. But Warriors ended up signing this guy to a partially guaranteed contract. It seems like the theme of the NBA offseason is getting the depth together because a lot of teams have loaded up their squad. And Garuba is still young. You know, hes I don't think he's even 22, 23 years old yet. And he would get a great opportunity to ball out in Golden State. But I would be excited if the Golden State Warriors signed Dwight Howard. That would be a very exciting move. And they're also trying out multiple players for this team to fill out their bench. Because last year, you know, they only went like eight, nine deep. But the only question that I got is, are the Warriors going to use all this depth? And will Dwight Howard get clocked if he is indeed signed to the Golden State Warriors? I mean, they better if they want to win a championship. I mean, you do. You did sign Chris Paul. Can you imagine Chris Paul alley-ooping to Dwight Howard? We could have got a little bit of something like that on the Lakers if that shit would have went through all those years ago. Are people, are Pistons fans calling for Troy Weaver to be fired on the low? I mean, I've seen a lot of ignorant ass Piston fans calling for this man to be fired. Um, y'all motherfuckers don't know the purpose of a rebuild. History lesson here. The Pistons never got a chance to rebuild their team up until uh, three or four years ago. Because if you look at it, after they broke up, you know, the uh, 04 Pistons gang, right? After Ben Wallace left, after Chauncey Billups was traded for Allen Iverson, you know, expiring contract, which led us to, to signing Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva. Oh my God, I am triggered right now by just thinking about it. My blood is boiling. And y'all raising my blood pressure. Just thinking about how we gave Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva max contracts. Because that free agency class was weak. We never should have traded Chauncey Billups a while back. Never, ever, ever, ever. You should have stuck pause with these motherfuckers until the casket dropped. That was the biggest mistake the Pistons ever did. 
I mean, I would have been fine if they would have traded Rip Hamilton for Allen Iverson, but I don't think that um, Denver was going for that. They wanted Chauncey. Chauncey and Iverson backcourt would have been amazing. Chauncey Billups is just like an upgraded version of Eric Snow with a way better jump shot. And it's just true to the point guard position. But yeah, man. Back to Troy Weaver, though. Okay, so then after that Ben Gordon, Charlie Villanueva shit failed, you know, we were drafting people that were mid-packs. We just refused to let go of the core and start all over. But once Troy Weaver finally arrived a a couple of years ago, this nigga got rid of the whole roster, the entire team. Except for Killian Hayes, which is crazy. He got rid of the entire team and just started signing motherfuckers, signing motherfuckers, drafting, signing motherfuckers, signing motherfuckers, drafting people. And now, as it currently stands, the Pistons, if healthy, have a great core going into next season. I don't think a lot of people understand what it takes to rebuild a team and how long it actually takes to rebuild a roster. Troy is only, what, three, four years in? Have some patience with us. I mean, currently right now, as it stands, I mean, we got Cade, we got Ivy, we got Aswar Thompson, we got Bogdanovich, we got Jalen Duran, Isaiah Stewart, you know what I'm saying? Monte Morris, which was a hell of a pickup. Shit, we got Alec Burke still. Live wire off the bench and whatnot. We got James Wiseman still from that trade. Isaiah Livers. We got a deep-ass click, man. We got a deep-ass roster. Marcus Sasser. You know what I'm saying? Marvin Bagley. Like, this Pistons team got some depth. And then we got, we added Joe Harris, too. That's 13 guys I named that's on this roster off the top of my head that could go in and contribute. I know I'm forgetting somebody else, too. But fuck it. Let's move on. Drake and SZA dropped a new record. Um, it is called, um, Slime You Out. Um, it is slated to be on a single on Drake's up and coming album for all the dogs, which is dropping next week. Um, I'm excited for all the dogs because, you know, Drake needs a really good album, bro, because he can't keep giving us these mid ass albums. And speaking of mid, we'll get to that soon. After we do New Music Fridays. Speaking of people calling shit mid. But Slime You Out, in my opinion, it's a cool record. I don't hate it. It's okay. It's just okay. SZA kind of washed Drake on that record, though. Not gonna front. 
SZA kind of washed my man. No, even though he had a decent third verse, like SZA kind of washed him because like that first verse was like a little setup. It's, it seems like it's like a battle of the sexes on record. And it's a battle to who could be the more toxic person. And SZA, uh, the makers of Smoking on My X Pack, definitely got at Drake, man. Not gonna hold y'all. But let's get to the main event. Y'all been patiently waiting just like an AIDS test. What's the result? Not positive. Who the best? Pop Nazi Big. Ain't no best. East, West, North, South, Floor, Style, Gritty. I am. Br- man don't i'ma stop i'ma stop man i'ma stop man but uh we got two albums this week g you know we got the uh we had the deluxe edition of michael by uh killer mike as he gave us four tracks you know what fuck it why don't i review the uh the four killer mike songs Alright, let's talk about Michael Deluxe. Yes, man, Killer Mike is just in his bag. He's rapping over like a church choir. Bruh, Killer Mike, he's a monster, man. He's had a great comeback this year. A lot of people are saying that Killer Mike got better and shit. No, the fuck he didn't. Killer Mike always been nice since 04. Since Madden 04, nigga. Since dump, 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 dump. All in your trunk. You know what I'm saying? Big is dead. Pac is dead. Y'all, y'all ain't up on Killer Mike. Old shit. Y'all not up on that shit. And that's fine. Alright, the next song is Maynard Vignet. Or vignette, I should say. Featuring T.I. Jid and Jacquees. Um, this is a dope song. All three of these niggas went for it on this song. Pause. But this, these niggas went crazy. Get some money. Killer might be spitting, man. He is one spitting ass motherfucker, man. And act up the final track with Young Nutty. Real trap shit real raw raps all in all killer mike the deluxe edition man i don't know i think for these four tracks could have been a part of the original version and i definitely enjoyed myself listening to these four songs and the irony that a p diddy song is actually playing in the background we're gonna get to the love album we're gonna get to brother love man I don't know. I don't know if y'all been anticipating it. He's been talking about this album for a while. I was interested, but not yet, and but not quite uh, anticipated because it's a big difference. I'm anticipating for all the dogs. I was interested in listening to the Love album to see if Puff, you know, still got something left in the tank. Pause. But we gonna get right to it. The Love album off the grid by Diddy. He's going by Diddy this time. So the opening track bought my love featuring Herb Alpert and the dream. I love the vibe of this track. And Diddy got the hitman back. The hitman did a majority, if not damn near 
at least 95% of the production on the Love album off the grid, which we'll get to later, you know, because a lot of people forgot about how important and how impactful Stevie J's production has been, but we'll get to that later. So, Bought My Love featuring Herb Alpert and The Dream. I love this beat. This beat is amazing. The production overall is amazing. More on that later, of course. But when Puff started rapping, I was disappointed. Not going to hold you because who wrote this bullshit? Did Mario Winings write it? Did Dream write it? Or did Stevie J write it? Because those are the writers that are listed. The raps were delivered dry. And that's been a criticism on Puff over the years. But I actually defended Puff back in the day. Because he was delivering his raps good. Now, just not isn't the case. But lucky for Puff, his delivery of his rapping style did not mess up um, Brought My Love to the point where it became trash. What's Love featuring Nova Wave? Trying to see if I recognize any of the names here. And I really don't. The beat is, again, amazing beat for What's Love. It's amazing. The beat is cold-blooded. It's just when Diddy starts rapping, I'm just like, nah, cuz, nah, cuz, that ain't it. The rapping, like, the great words of Gully Boy, the rapping ain't snapping, bro. But... Again, it doesn't ruin the song, though. What's Love? Nova Wave does a good job on here. Next up, Deliver Me, featuring Busta Rhymes and Dirty Money. I'm going to be honest with y'all. This is the worst song on the album by far. It is complete dog shit. Y'all wasted a Jay Dilla beat, bro, because I caught the Dilla beat. I caught the Jay Dilla production, but this song was completely disappointing. It's supposed to be a reuniting of Dirty Money and shit, and then Busta Rhymes doesn't do the track any much, much that much better. This song is a complete shit show. It's completely hot garbage, and this song should have not made the album. I'm gonna keep it a buck. Stay a while featuring Nija. Again, dope-ass beat. I think this is the one that samples 702. I think it samples Stilo. I hope I got that shit right, bro. But stay a while outside of the uh, sampling and the singing. Puff didn't really offer me anything on here either. So far, looking at the track list, he's two for four. Homecoming featuring Jazzy. Jazzy's a big uh, a big star 
on this uh, project right here. I mean, Puff tries to emulate Biggie's flow. But it doesn't necessarily, like, work out. But it's okay, though. It's not a terrible song, but it's not... It just doesn't do it for me. Pause. Pickup featuring Jacquees and Fabulous... Um, I was kind of disappointed in this song. Not gonna front. I mean, Jack Weiss does his thing. Not mad at him. The production's there, as always. Fabulous's verse is kind of me. I'm not gonna lie. I've heard wait. This is probably the worst Fabulous verse I ever heard. And that's not necessarily a criticism. That's just from me being a Fabulous fan. And never hearing like anything mid as far as a verse from Fab. So this completely threw me off, caught me off guard. I mean, this is pretty much like. Fab and, and, and Diddy going back and forth once again like they did on Act Bad. More on that later because I have a lot to talk about regarding the Love album. But let's keep going. Tough Love featuring Sway Lee. Hey, this is fire. I definitely enjoyed myself. And Puff's not on here. This is the first of many songs that doesn't include Diddy. And unfortunately those happen to be a lot of the better songs no disrespect to diddy but tough love with sway lee this is very sway lee like definitely enjoyed myself stay long featuring summer walker this is mid not gonna lie it's produced by timbaland puffy and london on the track though again the production on here is top notch the production never missed at all but summer walker this is just an album filler nothing more it belongs to you featuring jazzy another diddy in london on the track manifesto this is a good album filler it's a lot better than some of the songs that i heard on the first half but the second half is a mid-pack. I mean, the first half is a mid-pack. I'm sorry. I wasn't, like, gung-ho about these songs. The only songs that I generally fucked with, pause, was Tough Love, What's Love, and Bought My Love. All the rest of the songs are average to hot garbage. But here's when the project takes a shift for the best. This is where, this is the portion of the album where it turns around for me. Because I was about to write this shit off. Like, I was halfway, I was midway into work, and I had stopped listening to it for, for a while. And I was just like, okay. So, another one of me 
featuring French Montana, 21 Savage, and The Weeknd is amazing. This, up until this point, this is the best song out of the other nine tracks we heard before. And I see why Puffy's part was so dope. King Los wrote it. That makes a whole ton of sense. Yo, 21 Savage, French Montana, and The Weeknd body this. French Montana did uh, did production on here? What the fuck? So we got 1500 or nothing. London on the track. Bongo, by the way. Ayo. I'm sorry if I didn't name the other producers, but I'll name them. Rourke Bailey, The Healer, and DeForest Taylor. Yeah, there's a lot of niggas on one beat, B. If you play a key, fuck it. You're getting production credit. All right. The intermission. This track is dope as fuck. You know, this is the halfway point of the, the part of the album. Hey, yo, this shit is fire, dog. I love the intermission. I didn't grade it. I didn't make it a part of it, but this shit was fire. Moments featuring Justin Bieber. Um, this is a good song. Don't get it twisted or fucked up. But this just ain't my vibe. I have to be in a certain mood to appreciate this song. That's just me. But it's not a bad song whatsoever. So did he finally uh collaborate with his bestie, huh? Need somebody featuring Jasmine Sullivan. You already know what Jasmine Sullivan brings to the table. You already know what Jasmine Sullivan brings to the table. And, you know, this got that chicken head sample at the beginning of the song. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, that pulled me in immediately. And Jasmine Sullivan does her thing. You know, Puff's not on the song once again. You know, Puff hasn't been on, you know, Puff, Puff wasn't on like moments either with Justin Bieber. And here's another song that Puffy was not on. Mind Your Business, Bosses in Love, featuring Kaylani and Ty Dolla Sign. Hey man, this song is fucking fire, bro. Both of them niggas went crazy on here. Both of them went off. And this is probably... I'm not going to front. Did I say something was already my favorite song on here? I don't think I said that. No. My favorite song on the Love Album Off The Grid is Nasty Interlude featuring Jazzy. Jazzy fucking completely destroys it. And Puffy is not on here once again. But it's amazing, though, and it's produced by Puffy and Stevie J and Zach Bronson. But Stevie J, I could tell he played a majority of the keys on here. Like, I could tell because it sounds like an old Jodeci record, which, (laughs) again, we'll get to be. I got all night. This might be a two-hour-long show because we got to get in-depth with these album reviews. But, um, Nasty Interlude is exactly what the track says and it is disgusting it is filthy but it's wonderful at the same time and gives that 
mid 90s vibe mid 90s baby making music reaching featuring coco jones and ty dollar sign fire definitely enjoyed myself with that this sounds like a ty dollar sign record as ty dollar sign and puffy are frequent collaborators next stay part one featuring diddy kalan for real for real and kc from jodeci they sampling um stay but i don't agree with them using stay even with kc killing it even with kalan killing it even with um diddy doing his thing on here diddy actually rapped like he had some sense on here Oh, I know why Diddy acted like he had some sense. You want to know why? Because King Los wrote it. Makes sense. King Los is an excellent writer and a dope-ass lyricist. So, you was going to get a good Diddy verse on Stay Part 1. But, this ain't this Part 2? This is just a 2023 version of Jodeci Stay. And KC does what KC does. He never disappoints. And the irony that the next song has Mary J. Blige on it. I like, I don't know, man. This could be a two-way tie for my favorite record on here because here's the thing. I like Sample's um, Guy, Goodbye Love. And guess who else sampled Guy, Goodbye Love? Nas did. Another person whose album we're reviewing today. Um, yo, I like, I got that and nasty interlude on repeat, y'all. This is Diddy and Mary J. Blige never missed, ever. My life one, my life part two, and what's the 411? Those albums, Mary and Puffy never missed. And then even on the No More Drama remix, like her and Puffy make great music together. And this is probably, arguably, the best song on here. Closer to God with... Uh, and, and, and Puff kicks a verse. And guess what, y'all? King Los wrote that one, too. That's why that verse was solid. I just didn't like Puffy's voice tone on here. I think he should have been a little bit smoother instead of dry. With the flow. Pause. But other than that, I like, I love, I like. Closer to God featuring Tiana Taylor. Oh my God. That This is an amazing song. I'm so glad that Tiana Taylor came out of retirement to do her thing on this record. She went crazy. And Puffy is not on here. Boohoo featuring Jeremiah. Jeremiah. This is a Jeremiah style record. And I knew I knew something was familiar here. It had that Jeremiah sound, that Jeremiah delivery. His producer, Milk Sh- Mick Schultz, produced this. You know, he's produced, you know, Je- some of Jeremiah's biggest hits, like Birthday Sex. You know what I'm saying? That's like, man, he produced a lot of records for Jeremiah back in the day. Burner Boy instrument interlude. This was mid, and this was very unnecessary. 
This didn't need to be on the album. Wasn't feeling it. Kim Porter, this is obviously like a tribute to Kim Porter. And Timbaland did production on here too. Nice. If they were looking to make a tribute to Kim Porter, no disrespect to the late, great Kim Porter. If you don't know who she is, she was, you know, she's the mother of uh, Christian Combs who Pat, and the mother of his twin daughters as well. Who, you know, passed away of pneumonia in quotation marks a few years back. Sad situation. I didn't feel sad. You know what I'm saying? I didn't feel like I didn't feel anything. The music was great. Babyface and John Legend did their thing on here. Not going to disrespect what they brought to the table. It's not a bad song, but it didn't feel like a tribute to me. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like Killer Mike Motherless that brought me to tears. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, maybe this was intended to be her theme song or something. I don't know. But you felt, you know, Puff in these interludes, you know what I'm saying, with Kim Porter in them. You know, you felt the ghost of Kim Porter, but you didn't feel the pain. Space, the, the, the final track featuring her... This was good, but not great. A little bit disappointing, in my opinion. All in all, we got a lot to talk about. The first half was kind of ass. The second half was it was what really brought this record together. I feel like the second half was the true version of what Puff's idea that he was trying to put together with this love album. You know, he was talking about he was bringing R&B back. Now, did he accomplish his goal? Yes, he did. The R&B joints on here were incredible. But here's the problem with the album. All the artists on here kind of outshine Puff. And Puff's rap delivery was average to mediocre. But the records that King Los wrote for P. Diddy was incredible, was excellent. And Puff was on point on those three records. I had told my homeboy that he only rapped good on three of these records. And then another problem was it was just too many songs. Like if he would have cut 23 down to like 17 or 16, I think it would have been a classic. I mean, there aren't many perfect albums out there. And one person that I got to give credit to on this album for his production is Stevie J. We forget that Stevie J is responsible for a lot of hits in the 90s. Everybody knows Stevie J for being a clown on Love and Hip Hop. And on his own reality show, Leave It to Stevie. But do y'all motherfuckers realize what Stevie J produced? Let's pull up the list, bro. I don't think a lot of people are putting respect on Stevie J's name for what he's contributed to hip-hop and music and R&B music in general. Notorious Thugs. Mo Money, Mo Problems. I'll Be Missing You. Victory. It's All About the Benjamins. Niggas Bleed. You're Nobody Till Somebody Kills You. Only You Remix. 
All eyes on you, Meek Mill. Even though he that was a uh, you know he got produced production credit. Going back to Cali. Um, co-production on "Let Me Blow Your Mind" with Dr. Dre. Fucking you tonight. Somebody's got to die. If I go, you gotta go. Break breakdown. Mariah Carey, honey, Mariah Carey. Can't nobody hold me down. Another Biggie. Last day Biggie. Nasty boy. Been around the world. No time for fake niggas. Play a hater. Honey remix. Cold Rock a Party remix. Something like a phenomenon like Stevie J has got and then the things you do remix been around the world remix. Y'all got to stop playing with this man, Stevie J, like he ain't got bops or something. And Stevie J, Mario Winans and the Hitmen get the salute from me. For, you know, if I were to grade this production, I would grade it an A++++. This is over 100%. Out of a 4.0, this is like a a, a (laughs) 11.1. You know what I'm saying? Because the production on the Love album was crazy. Let's move on to Nas. Magic 3. Nas has been getting a lot of criticism lately. And we don't like that. In my left eye voice. Let's talk that Magic 3 talk as Nas released his album last night at around 9 o'clock p.m. Let's get into it. This is marked to be the last album that's going to be entirely produced by Hit Boy as Nas, one of the covers, right? Has Nas with six Jordan rings, and I would, I would, I'll give him that. Let's start off with Fever. Fever is cool. This is very grown up. This is very mature, and Nas definitely kills this. TSK. I was not a fan of this record. This is kind of mid. Not gonna lie. No disrespect, but that's just how I feel. Superhero status, uh, I wasn't feeling this that much either. But after these couple of bumps in a row, this is where the album starts to take off for me. I love this feeling. This is very grown up, laid back, cool shit. Nas is back on that storytelling shit. And then No Tears keeps, keeps it building because, you know, he chronicles his life and he thinks about his life and you know despite everything that he's been through and every struggle that he has endured he has no tears to shed never die featuring little wayne yo this is a great back and forth this is this is great lyrical sharpening of steel between nas and little wayne 
it's definitely a top 10 lyrical song of the year because Wayne and Nas go back and forth pretty good, man. They they kill this shit. Pretty young girl, Nas is, you know, thinking about his future love interest, basically. And I definitely enjoyed this record. Based on True Events Part 1, this was cool. Not the biggest fan of this. But based on True Events Part 2, this was fire. This was incredible. Sitting with my thoughts. Um, This was cool. Wasn't the biggest fan of this. Blue Bentley, though. This is what I played in the intro. This is definitely my favorite song on this album. I like when Nas and Hit Boy do turn-up records. Those are some of my favorites. Like... You know what I mean? We'll get to that. Jodeci member. This shit is dope. I love the sample. And I love the topics that Nas is talking about on here. Speechless part two. Oh my fucking God, bro. Nas can rap his ass off, bro. Japanese soul bar. This is that classy Frank Sinatra vibe, you know what I'm talking about? If Hit Boy's production brings out the God level shit. And oh yeah, back to Blue Bentley for a second though. I love the Slick Rick sample and this the sampling of the hi-hats that Teddy Riley had on them records. 1-800-Nas and Hit. Fire. Great closer. All in all, Magic 3 may not be a classic album, but this is uh this met the criteria and the expectations that you expect out of a great artist like Nas because we put a lot of pressure on our greats. We put a lot of pressure on our legends. Pause because um we have expectations that need to be met that are set by us the fans. And us being fans of hip hop, we want our legends to be the best that we can be. We don't want our legends to let us down and disappoint us. And Magic 3, this was fucking dope. I definitely enjoyed myself. This was a good listen. But I want to address something. A lot of y'all Jay-Z fans, like I'm a Jay-Z fan. I'm a Jay-Z stan as well. But I'm not willing to go as far as to tear down, fully tear down another artist that I also enjoy in favor of the other artists. I might make some jokes, but I'm not going to literally tear them limb for limb because I love them. But a lot of these Jay-Z fans have called the Nas and Hit Boy run mid. And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I'm like, do y'all, the great Jay-Z said, do you fools listen to music or do you just skim through it? I don't like that shit. I don't like that shit. I really don't. But y'all done fucked up. Now, I'm going to rank the Nas and Hit Boy albums for all y'all haters out there that was talking about that Nas's, Nas's discography with Hit Boy is mid. Did y'all listen to what the fuck I listened to or something? Huh? What the fuck is so mid about it? What is it's boring? Andre 3000 voice is boring. Hey man, fuck y'all niggas. That's saying that Nas's joints with Hit Boys mid. 
I just want to say fuck y'all before I get this started. All right. Let's rank these Nas and Hit Boy albums, and I'll tell you what I felt about each album before I get up out of here. I'm probably, probably sure that I'm well over an hour and probably closer into two hours. Haven't surprisingly had any interruptions. Usually motherfuckers always trying to interrupt my night while I'm recording. We on some shit now. Let's see. Let's see. Should I rank them from worst to first? Let's rank them worst to first. I don't want to give away my number one yet. So the number six pick and probably the worst out of these six albums, King's Disease 3. Now, don't get me wrong. King's Disease 3 isn't trash. I actually rated it a minus. That's how good this series was. I mean, this had Ghetto Reporter. Um, Legit. Listen, Legit is like one of my favorite songs out of this series. With the uh, five heartbeat sample. Legit is amazing. Definitely loved it. Um, 30 Summers is one of my anthems. One of my personal anthems. See that Nas and Hit Boy turn up shit that I be talking about? Man, talk about 30 Summers. Man, that shit got a bounce to it. Um... Once a man, twice a child. Great record. Recession Proof was kind of good, too. Man, another one of my Nas Hit Boy Turn Up Joints. Get Light. This this record was so fucking classy, so cool and all that. Beef. Pause. Hey, yo, this track was bonkers, nigga. Bonkers. Don't Shoot was dope too. But I like the song Beef because, you know, he was just talking about how niggas' mindsets are in the hood. And then my favorite joint, bro. Till my last breath, bro. That's another Nas and Hit Boy turn up John. That shit slapped like a motherfucker, man. The hook was amazing. Although I speak highly of these records, the rest of the album was just full of fillers. Not enough iller on that for it to measure up to the other five albums, though. Number five. A lot of y'all might be mad at this one, but I don't give a fuck. Number five spot, I'm going to say Magic. I'm going to say Magic. It's not a bad album, but it's not a lot. You know, it's no Nas and Hit Boy turn up joints on here. You know what I'm saying? The original Speechless was dope, though. And then my favorite track on this album is Meet Joe Black. Meet Joe Black was crazy. That's one of my favorites in the series. Um, Wolf of the Children was okay. Wave Gods with ASAP Rocky and Primo was all right. But the rest of it, I just wasn't feeling it. You know, and for it to be a nine track album, you know, don't get me wrong. It's good. It's good. But it just doesn't measure up to the other four albums that's in front of it. Now, let's move on to number four. Number four, King's Disease 2. 
King's Disease 2, hey man, a lot of people think that this is their favorite album in the series. And I don't blame y'all. I don't blame y'all. Death Row East definitely gave some insight into uh, what was going on during the 90s as, you know, the East Coast versus West Coast feud was going on. 40 Side was dope too. 40 Side was dope as fuck. And then EPMD2, oh man, with Eminem and EPMD going back and forth in the beginning. Yo, this was crazy as fuck. And then one of my favorites, Rare, of the series, Rare is Fire. Then YKTV, another one of them hit boy turn up joints with A Boogie and YG. Crazy moments. Oh my God. Yo. Yo, the, the more we move up, the better we get. And then Nas got Lauren Hill to come out of retirement and rap. One of the hardest 30 bar verses of all time. Lauren Hill is the female goat. Like, come on, dog. However, though, the rest of the project, it kind of, you know, it dragged after this. You know, outside of these great moments, the second half of the album just wasn't as impressive as the first. Now, number three, I already explained... I already explained myself. I already gave a review on it. But number three is Magic 3. I mean, we could go down the line here on why. I think this as a, um overall project is very classy. Very Frank Sinatra-like. And then him going back and forth with, you know, what a lot of people view as their GOAT and Lil Wayne. Even though I don't put him near the GOAT conversation. That's another conversation for another day. But Lil Wayne is still great. Then the Blue Bentley joint, like I love this feeling, Speechless Part 2, Nas and Hit, 1-800 joint, crazy. Honestly, this album is neck and neck with King's Disease 2, but if I were to have a choice, it would be Magic 3. Now, number two, it's only two left, y'all. Number two is Magic 2. I mean, you've heard my review on my TikTok page, on my show, talking about Nas. The run continues, you bastards. I mean, abracadabra, yo. And then him collaborating with 50 Cent for the first time since 1999. God damn. Even though it was disappointing because uh, Curtis Jackson only delivered about eight bars and did his usual 50 talking shit at the end. But this album, like Motion, One Mic, One Gun, Pistols on Your Album Cover, Urban Magic Johnson, Bokeem Woodbine. This is damn near a perfect album. And definitely one of the best albums released of 2023. And number one, what the fuck you think? King's Disease. Hey man, Jay-Z fans. Yo. I'd put this album up against 444. Everybody talking about Nas ain't got an album in this series better than 444. 
King's Disease? Hello? This is what got Nas' first Grammy. This is a Grammy Award winning album. Did 444 win a Grammy? No. Did Beyonce and Jay-Z Everything Is Love win a Grammy? No. Stop playing. Stop playing with Nasir, man. Stop playing with this nigga. Pause. But King's Disease won. Man, I don't know where to start. The opening track, like this whole entire album, you could listen to from start to finish. You don't skip nothing on here. This is an album with no skips. Don't know where the fucking start. The opening track is crazy. Car 85 is so cool. Ultra Black, not Doja Cat, nigga. 27 Summers, dude. Bitch. 27 Summers is one of my motherfucking personal anthems, nigga. That came out in the new school era. Like Hit Boy and Rosette Chayette destroyed this beat. Bitch. Like that's that shit you get drunk to and you ride out and you trying to get home for the police po Fuck, man. Replace me with Big Sean and Don Tolliver. This is another cool record. Till the War is one. Little Dirk did this thing on here. And then probably my second favorite song on here. All Bad. Yo, man. This is a great song because of the simple fact that, you know, bro, Nas was talking about how he had to adjust to how females interact with men in this new era of life. You feel me? And that's just, that's a song I can relate to. With Anderson Pack, Anderson Pack bodies this like, bro. The definition with Brucey B, like Brucey B's the guy that's talking all through the Peyton Full movie, classic. And then we got a firm reunion, yo. We got a fucking firm reunion on King's Disease. Y'all don't know how great the firm was dog that firm album i know the firm flop i get it it still went gold fuck y'all but nas az foxy nature in the beginning i don't think nature was on here i think was it was nature on here or was cormega on here yeah cormega was on here not nature or was nature on here Nah, nature wasn't on here. Okay, had to double check, but... And Dr. Dre was on the fucking end, bro. Crazy. Y'all don't understand. Y'all wasn't here. Then 10 points, The Cure, and then Spicy to close it out with Ferg and Fabio. Another Hit Boy Turn Up record. 27 Summers is another one, too. I didn't know that Robin Thicke sang background on Full Circle. Crazy. But yeah, man, King's Disease number one, that's a no-brainer. That's my rankings. All right, y'all. I'm done here. I want to appreciate you guys for coming through, checking me out, and fucking with me on this Friday night. 
expect these one minute snippets of my last two shows. I'm gonna do some cross promotion tonight. Fuck it, I'm in the house for the night anyway. Work on some playlists or something. I wanna thank y'all, man. This is King Known Uncensored. New Music Fridays. It's personal. I'm out. <laughs>